I know uh, more about Carradine's brother. I've I've seen more. He was the guy from uh, Revenge of the Nerds, right? Oh, I'm not sure. I know he's in an episode of Criminal Minds, and I want to say no, that's Billy Grego. I'm thinking of that's in mm-hmm. uh, the Masters of Horror imprint movie. That movie is so gnarly. Yeah, it is a little sad, I suppose, that Carradine is now associated with a particular sex act where. <laughs> 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 Anytime you hear about someone dying from being choked to death or in sex, you think immediately of him. Yeah, but uh, a little piece of you is jealous, you know. <laughs> of course, he's gonna be remembered forever. And that's that's a little piece of you is like, man, the guy did go out swinging though, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah. He was living his life. Uh... Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Cree and Skrull of all ages, welcome to the MCU Beyond Infinity podcast, a show where fellow like-minded Marvelites have assembled to discuss, review, theorize, and wax intellectual over any and all things related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is John, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host and fellow conjurer of the dark mystical arts, Travis, to ponder, what if Doctor Strange lost his hand instead of his... Wait, I said that backwards. Fuck, I made it that far without while reading off the notes from last week's episode before I said uh, the name of the title backwards. Um, What if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? So last week we got the kind of Agatha style whodunit um, mystery for who killed all the Avengers and with Hank Pym. And this week is more of like, um, like a Faustian kind of morality tale, like Aesop fable of, of the Marvel universe, the, um, you know, kind of fable on grieving kind of a fable on, you know, learning to let things go or not take things too far. A lot of like, Hey, lessons learned to, I feel like we should start a running pool on when we feel like the watcher is finally going to step in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, he's already had increased, uh, presence throughout. And like with each episode, he's a little bit more, he just wants to touch stuff. You can tell just look in his eyes. <laughs> he has a a little bit where he's almost giving himself this soliloquy where he's like this could you know destroy an entire universe and i could step in and stop it but i can't because i have my duties but i really want to and then by the end of it you know strange is screaming out to him and mm-hmm. i'm just like come on man do it do it do it yeah, you know yeah. you i, I do think it. it should be the season finale oh yeah <laughs> i thought we might wait until like next season or maybe they'd save it for live action but no, he's definitely doing something this, this season. Um, what if the uh, Watcher interfered and destroyed <laughs> the universe? That's the season finale. That would be a fun, fun bit. Uh, I would be <laughs> down for that. 
they show more and more of him with the uh, the series kind of progressing. Last week, um, actually, it started in the T'Challa in space episode where you saw like a silhouette of him kind of looking mm-hmm. like Eternity. Last week, we saw a little bit more and more of him kind of silhouetted throughout the desert and then a couple other scenes. But this week, it opens with him as like the outline of, you know, sh- kind of shadowing over New York City you know, more and more visible with each mm-hmm. episode, more and more. And the art looks really good when yeah. they show him. It looks like comic book panel, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I dig it. I They couldn't have gotten a better choice uh, for, for the role. Uh, he just has such a nice voice for it. Uh, he has like a super soothing voice, like... Um, mm-hmm. Like um, the guy who plays Jordy on Next Generation, LeVar Burton or something. Yeah, well, he sounds sophisticated. He may not be in real life, but he, he comes off that way uh, in pretty much everything I've seen him in. Uh, Is Jeffrey Wright British? I think he may be. I'm not 100% sure on that, but... Uh, He's got a level of class to him that says British, and... He is in the Bond franchise. He plays Felix, but I guess Felix is American. Uh, so see, I know him from Boardwalk Empire and uh, Westworld. Uh, yeah, he's great the, on uh, Westworld. Uh, yeah, I would like to see him in live action because he's got a great face. Like, I hate to sound weird, mm-hmm. but he's got a real cool face. He wears a good um, uh, goatee sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. He's going to play Commissioner Gordon in, in The Batman. Yes, yes. The I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, that first trailer was stellar. I was amazed that we were able to get a trailer that early. Uh, With the footage that they had only shot up until that, and that was mid-COVID. They had been shut mm-hmm. down for so long at that point. Pattison hadn't gotten COVID, <laughs> right? That shut down production for a little while. Yeah, I'm I'm so toward. Uh, I think people are starting to warm up to the idea of him as Batman too. Uh, I'm seeing less hate for Twilight in the comment section. I guess. I've been trying to subvertly promote Twilight on <laughs> on this <laughs> podcast to get people used to Rob Pattinson. They they uh-huh. you know they talk about so, the Disney shills, but we're we're Disney shills in disguise and secretly being paid <laughs> to talk oh, yeah. about how Twilight's good actually <laughs> by Warner so Brothers. Bad. It's not so bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're on the take from both from both parties no, involved. Twilight's not so different. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> They both play baseball. They both run really fast. Uh huh. They disappeared. They got guys who like vanish. They got werewolf boys. Um, they got melodrama. Uh, <laughs> Goodness. But Pattinson is amazing. Like the um, Safety Brothers movie mm-hmm. that he's in is amazing. Uh, good time. Good time. Yeah, I. I... That I haven't finished it because it, it's going to bum me the fuck out. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it, it is. I watched about forty-five minutes of it, and it was very good. But it deals with something that is like one of my greatest fears. I have a, a brother who's uh, mentally disabled, and like died of him getting caught up in the legal system. It scares the hell out of me because yeah. there are literally people that are mentally impaired in prison for stuff mm-hmm. that. I don't know if they really did. 
and aren't capable of sometimes standing up for themselves too in the proper Mm -hmm. light like that whole the the whole situation of good time is really like you know it's it's pretty crushing (laughs) and hard to watch i I think it's probably just going to be too close to home for me yeah that film actually travis like has shot just talking about close to home it's takes place so close to my house mm-hmm. where there are shots of like that that amusement park that's kind of like kind of close and it's like within driving distance and like places that i visited and it's also i don't want to like you know confess things on this podcast maybe it's just like places where like i know of things being implicated and going down and like crazy stuff happening and it's mm-hmm. very realistic and very real and very intense and pattinson the guy from twilight <laughs> was in this this really really fucking intense movie and um the lighthouse he likes yeah he's good in the rover uh mm-hmm. but yeah the lighthouse was excellent uh, and those two cronenberg movies because he was kind of like cronenberg's like new muse for a minute when he was mm-hmm. going and and like dipping the well back into genre a little bit because mostly like what that guy does it's like stuffy weird like stuff like you know what i mean but mm-hmm. he did have that little run where he did uh the history of violence and then the fault of the stars with john cusack and oh uh the map to the stars map to the stars Cosmopolis, i think is the other one you're yeah thinking of. yeah uh, but map to the stars is a fucking weird movie <laughs> where pattinson is really good i've seen that one i don't i can't recall much about it at this point uh i haven't seen Cosmopolis. it's been on my amazon watch list for ages uh it's it's a uh good in theory movie and see what they're going for movie mm-hmm. you know but not like something i would watch again or yeah, yeah. or really say like i wouldn't recommend it but it is like it's interesting in theory it's it's like kind of this like eat the rich like uber rich thing but like what if you didn't have to leave a limo and you're just driving around the city really limited setup kind of thing with just like a movie star being an asshole you know it's real intense <laughs> um and the lighthouse is real intense like these stories came out recently where pattinson had actually jerked off to the mermaid and that was the first day of shooting that was like the first shot and he just like went whole hog and they videotaped him with this camera from the 1940s <laughs> like oh, jerking wow. off to a mermaid and eating mud in between takes to make himself vomit on himself <laughs> for the camera <laughs> like oh, wow so this guy's playing Batman should yeah. be uh should be a good time I think and the footage yeah. the first Batman that wears the eye shadow that doesn't disappear when he takes his mask off. Mhm. Uh, That's very true. Yeah, yeah. Uh Christian Bale was always very dapper when he took his mask off. He was always like in kind of pristine shape, you know. Mm-hmm. Boner. Okay, Doctor Strange though. We got to uh, talk about Doctor Strange. <laughs> We talked about the watch for a second, and I don't really know how we got yeah, talking about well, that. Well, well, okay. So the open it opens on the watcher silhouetted over the city. He says, "You know, what if the best intentions had very strange consequences?" And <laughs> I know we want to jump right into the episode, but the episode starts on the Michael Giacchino Doctor Strange score, and um, and I've said it before to you, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. if I've shown you. But that score bothers me like so much because it's the almost like verbatim of his Star Trek 
Yeah, I actually went on, score? I went on YouTube and listened to like the side by side, and yeah, it's the same fucking thing. I I still like it, but yeah, it does taint it a bit. <laughs> it's such a bummer because it's so good mm-hmm. and it's very like epic and and I, I hate sounding like a fucking asshole nerd, but like when I saw Star Trek two thousand nine and mm-hmm. and that movie clicked, and I I was like, oh my god, they're making a good Star Trek again. I was like crying when that ship was coming out of the water with the mm-hmm. like really, really emotional beat. And then, the, then he, I was like, Michael Giacchino is a genius. This is my mm-hmm. guy. And then all of a sudden it's just like, he just does the same score yeah. over and over I mean, and over again. I think it's one of the better like uh, music samples in the MCU. Unfortunately, like yeah, there's, the music isn't bad in the MCU, but it's not something I really remember much. Uh, I feel like it's getting better. Yes, and, I do and more that. noticeable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's not like a Danny Elfman Batman theme for me. Uh, the Alan Silvestri Avengers theme doesn't do it for you. No, like I, I wouldn't be able to tell you how that goes right, right off the top of my head. If I heard it, then it would. Uh, but yeah, I can't recall. <laughs> I've um, <laughs> I've put that I, I that I do like that, and I've put it on at the gym like before lifting something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've like been like, all right, I got to do this, and like put on the Avengers theme, and like <laughs> it's it's pretty epic. And I've done it with the Star Trek mm-hmm. um 2009 theme too, and it's uh, it's it's memorable. Elfman's doing the Doctor Strange a Multiverse of Madness, which is kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah. I uh I'm on board for that. I uh I know a lot of his stuff sounds very similar. He has a distinct style, I guess. Uh and he kind of has phoned it in for a long time because he did the score to I, I hate to say it because it's fucking it, it's, it, yeah, it's yeah. fucking Danny Elfman. He's he's written some of the most memorable, like the Pee-wee's big adventure score. Mm-hmm. is one of like my favorite things of all time and oingo boingo is the best and like i love that stuff and that's why i was about to show you uh bad for an audio medium that i have the army of darkness vinyl that i just mm-hmm. got and it's got a lot of danny elfman music on it um with some funny names mm-hmm. like the death coaster and march of the dead and the forest of the dead you know it kind of sounds like dead. a uh, yeah yeah like a um what's that guy's name king diamond like a merciless oh, yeah, yeah. record mm-hmm. <laughs> but um he did the age of ultron uh score which was like something that i was like so pumped for and mm-hmm. then just didn't really deliver it just it used a lot of the alan silvestri theme and and i was like fuck man danny elfman hasn't like done shit for me in a long time but it's exciting <laughs> for him to team up with someone from his past like Raimi who's mm-hmm. not like Tim Burton you know because Tim Burton's kind of like got his own kind of feels like a studio behind Tim Burton and not so much a guy anymore it's just kind of like yeah, on yeah. autopilot kind of, I don't want to say phoned it in but uh, the influence of CGI it's kind of uh, I don't enjoy uh, Burton's movies in the way that they once would have probably hit if they would he would have made them in 89 <laughs> instead of yeah. If if he made them in '89, they would have been made out of clay that he would have helped mold and like oversaw yeah. every little yeah, yeah, bit yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's much yeah. much more visually interesting. Uh, yeah, but he like 
unfortunately, I feel like has been so kind of studied and understood, you know, because people, you know, he's one of like the first guys, like a lot of people from our generation were like, holy shit, like understood what a director did because he was fucking Tim Burton. That's why I don't want to like understate how Mm -hmm. much I like that guy, but it feels like all these people who know exactly what Tim Burton should look like are just making cartoon versions of that. And it doesn't feel as kind of put together or comprehensive anymore. It's like on autopilot. Mm-hmm. And and Elfman kind of is the same way, but I am pumped that he's back scoring something with Raimi. You know what I mean? Because that's exciting, and it's a superhero movie, and Raimi invented the modern superhero movie. You know, mm-hmm. so it's weird that he's doing a sequel, but it's kind of like, holy shit, Sam Raimi's making something, and hopefully, it's. Uh, I mean, he did um, like return to Oz or whatever, right? The great and powerful Oz with James Franco. He's made some like forgettable kind of trite in his days too. You know, he's kind of phoned it in too, mm-hmm. but it has the potential to be awesome. Like, you know, the next Dr. Strange outing could be really, really fucking awesome. So. Yeah. It's going to be ambitious at the very least. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much this entire phase, I guess. Uh, Hopefully it will be ambitious and hopefully it won't be another Oz the Great and Powerful and just Sam Raimi, <laughs> you know, phoning it in. But mm-hmm. he, he loves Doctor Strange and it's a character that's very fitting to his vibe. You know, the the Necronomicon and the dead and... and yeah, and, yeah. There's know. a lot of fun to be had there. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if they introduce some of the Elder Gods of the MCU... Uh, they call yeah, them uh, sure. they call them many angled ones now, thanks to the War of the Realms, I believe. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's tons of them. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you can invent some new squid one, monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could uh, make the um, the Dweller in the Darkness a squid monster if you feel like it. You know, you, you yeah, could call, yeah, call you it whatever you want a squid could. monster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were <Are> you um? <laughs> Want to talk about Dwell in the Darkness today or tomorrow? <laughs> we have to do it tomorrow. We got to do it tomorrow. Uh, Were you yeah. happy to see um, Benedict Cumberbatch and Ra- Rachel McAdams both coming back as as Strange and Christine Palmer? Are you happy I, with Stephen Strange and Benedict Cumberbatch? I did not pay attention to the opening credits on this one, and I had heard previously that Benedict wasn't coming back, so I was taking it back a bit initially by how good this imposter was at Pretending <laughs> to be Benedict Cumberbatch. I did eventually figure it out, obviously, because at a certain point it's obvious. Yeah. And Benedict's done voice work before, so it, yeah. He's done voice work for the MCU before. He voiced Dormammu, I believe, mm-hmm. and did the mocap for him. He, like, loves, <laughs> loves mocap. And there's all sorts of funny behind the scenes videos of him playing Smaug mm-hmm. and Dormammu. And like, a, I think a snake for the jungle book <laughs> where it's just him on the ground in a mocap suit in a green room, just like slithering around making faces like on the ground, mm-hmm. you know, and then the ones for the Hobbit, he's like hunching over like he's a dragon. And they're yeah, like, yeah. so we get this basic outline and then I just draw this cartoon of Benedict Cumberbatch and <laughs> send it on its way. Mm-hmm. I This is the first episode that has gotten the entire uh, original cast back, I believe. Uh, I was happy about that. I don't really like the romance between Christine Palmer and Doctor Strange in the movies. 
it's there, I guess. <laughs> it doesn't really do anything for me. It, uh, it works for this episode well enough, though. Are you familiar with the concept of fridging? <laughs> yeah, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Where you okay. uh, introduce a character, usually female, and then murder them to motivate the hero, pretty much. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you were just on the topic of Christine Palmer and I kind of, you know, I just want to like introduce that kind of quickly. Like she's kind of just there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even in the movies, it's just kind of, they don't really feel, they don't have much like romantic chemistry to me. Uh, they seem like friends. Uh, well, how do you feel about Cumberbatch as strange in general? I like him well enough. Yeah. It's strange. Uh, isn't one of my favorite Marvel heroes, uh, so far in the MCU. Room to grow with any of these heroes, and, uh, I imagine he's going to get much more focus in the near future, so we'll see how it goes. I, I didn't read it much, Doctor Strange growing up, like, the only old story that I really remember reading is Triumph and Torment, uh, Mm -hmm which is a great read, but for the most part, uh, yeah, I didn't, didn't read much. I, I've always liked the artwork, but yeah, it just never was enough to, I guess, get me to buy it. And then modern runs tend to have him not have his powers. So <laughs> I've read some of those. Yeah. They, they tend to write around them. Uh, I remember one of the first like modern age Doctor Strange stories that I read was the Bendis um like Avengers um deassemble error kind of Avengers and he was just kind of a part of that and mm-hmm. gave up being Sorcerer Supreme and there was this whole like mini arc starting with like which one of these Marvel characters would get it mm-hmm. and then just the fans kind of complaining eventually and Doctor Strange didn't have his Sorcerer Supreme powers before they're like yeah I guess we'll just give it back to Doctor Strange you know like because no one liked where he was going and Bendis was like I'll just end the storyline here mm-hmm. so it was like an early example of just like how he's been used recently but strange back to the Dicko error is really really fun and very kind of of its time where the art holds up so well in those old books those old steve Dicko books like the the writing is very like block of text narrative stuff but it is fun because dr strange is like screaming you know ozzy osbourne or black sabbath lyrics like just saying cool stuff and magic spells mm-hmm. um and it's very freak of the wiki where it's like another demon that's being summoned or something along those lines are being stopped um but it's freaky deaky you know artwork and lends itself really well to animation mm-hmm. so i don't know i i've always not liked that Marvel cast Benedict Cumberbatch because he was just the, the most obvious <laughs> choice kind of, does that make sense? Yeah. I, I actually remember you mentioning that it was like a very safe casting. Uh, that's, that's like the safest casting that they've done in a really long time, in my opinion, where mm-hmm. I, I like being surprised by the Marvel casting where I think, you know, supporting characters obviously have been brought in being big movie stars. Mm-hmm. Not really to stick around, but or really good character actors like the Mad Mickelsons of the worlds and the Jeff Bridges of the worlds, you know, just yeah. kind of like 
really great kind of faces of the of uh movies but um for the most part they've kind of done a good job at like finding somebody outside the box and then this was just you know the first like kind of celebrity household name that was cast in a marvel movie um i like the guy who plays little finger do you know um Aiden yeah, yeah. Gillen, is that his name oh yeah Aiden Gillen. yes yes uh yeah i like that guy but um he would have been a, a fine uh, doctor strange uh right he definitely looks like the, the fucking guy yeah <laughs> paint a goatee on him also strange in recent years has been cool in the illuminati new avengers run that jonathan mm-hmm. hickman did he's a clutch clutch character in that series with a lot of fun stuff to do especially mind wiping captain america in like issue two or three well yeah but they have to like boot him out of the illuminati because he's not with the uh with the plan of destroying him on like trillions of lives mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and because they make cap wear the gauntlet to do it they're like it's mm-hmm. now it's your turn cap it's your turn to do it and then he does it and he's like okay guys fuck this and they send dr strange in and they're like do a magic spell and he does like a cool <laughs> magic spell and there's like a crazy panel of it and they they mind wipe them um yeah. yeah yeah this is this is kind of a classic uh dr strange story in terms of imagery but you know with the you know uh, actually summoning things too from another dimension like that's where his magic i think comes from in the comics right it's like taking things from others and using them and expelling them right i'm not sure i uh i know that they've established at least recently that there's always a cost to using magic uh mm-hmm. and uh I, I will say about the summoning that um we're kind of jumping ahead a good bit but i like we haven't made it past <laughs> we haven't made it past the cast really yeah, we haven't yeah, made it yeah. past the cast we're about to start talking about them opening up the door Especially to a car since I want to start talking about tilda swinton and how good of an actress she is and how the universe is better for having her <laughs> she's a she's a uh a saint among among men absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely uh, the huge fan i'm surprised to see her back too in the cast yeah, because yeah. Like, she's I, a prestige actress you know yeah yeah i just feel like she should feel these films are beneath her but yeah she's, she's like sorry up. i'm busy smoking cigarettes with jim jarmusch somewhere <laughs> yeah know? yeah I, I was re-watching uh only lovers left alive uh oh um, really yeah a few days ago uh i really did get a film with her and trying uh, tom hiddleston uh a lot of people went into that thinking it was going to be a vampire movie. And yeah, I was in a movie yeah. theater of people who walked out of that much like, like mother or something like that, where it was kind of marketed enough to get a mainstream audience in on hey, a Friday night. In a vampire movie. Imagine how good that could be. And yeah, yeah here's the girl that. from the hunger games in some horror movie. And then it's just like a baby being ripped apart, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, a whole bunch of just a Christian imagery with Mother. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, that's it's crazy. But um, I am a huge fan of uh, that Italian director whose name I butcher, who made "Call Me by My Name." Um, fuck. Uh, but he made that Suspiria remake. Yes, uh, Luca something, right? Luca something. Yes, you have it correct. <laughs> I'm not going to even try the last name because I can't remember it. And it's just going to sound oh, like yeah, Super yeah. Mario I, Brothers. I, I have it pulled up and yeah, I 
wouldn't take it and shredded that one either. Yeah. Uh, but that Suspiria remake is awesome. And Suspiria yeah. is a darling, like a like a precious child of mine. A favorite, a favorite movie, of favorite movies. That yeah. never comes and out of my top five ever. Killed is fantastic in that as well. Just I assume that's what you're alluding to there. Yeah. I'm just talking about how she yeah. tears a girl's vagina chest out at the end and has her head explode. It's amazing. <laughs> it's well, yeah, amazing. That, and just like her uh playing a secret role and me not realizing the entire film uh two secret roles no true true but the one she was... plays the weird gross sorry spoilers for suspiria 2016 she mm. were, she plays the weird gross witch mother all yeah. naked in the bathtub thing of blood at the end <laughs> mm. it's crazy yes and the old man that uh yeah who's like the through line through that throughout the whole movie like mm. he was like the therapist of one of the girls in the school and he's like onto them the whole time yeah yeah and like I watched it on Amazon and you know has an X-ray feature that shows you who was playing who in the film. I recently pulled that up and it showed that she was playing the old man, but I just assumed it was an error all the way till the actual credits. And yeah, yeah. I noticed he looked weird sometimes, but yeah, mm -hmm. it yeah, just a terrific actress. Uh, yeah, that's she takes on challenging indie roles from like the she takes on like the indie roles you know she's kind of like our generation's julian moore or something like that you know what i mean where she's kind of this like i don't know i i, I consider her like one of the biggest actresses of like independent movies and like mm -hmm. you know genre movies and stuff so it's it feels beneath her to be returning for this 20 minute kind of snuff mcu thing yeah, but it kind of works too with that character because she kind of has an ethereal feel to her, uh, her presence i guess it, mm -hmm. it works for a magic character um and remember when there was a kerfuffle is that a the correct yeah yeah, way yeah. That's the right. about uh, okay the recast or the swap uh with yeah the and one. was it to accommodate to chinese audiences because the character to chinese censors Yes. To Chinese censor boards. That's what not the audiences. The <laughs> audience would have probably made out for the better if they learned what Tibet was. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that's only going to get worse. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it was all to. They whitewashed the character, but it was for the aims of appeasing China's. Uh, <laughs> but it was to make money and greed is good, right? Yeah, if I yes, learned anything yes, from the movie Wall course. Street, it's that greed is good. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Pretty like much. Old, ultimate fucking bullshit. Have mm -hmm. you seen John Cena apologizing to the state of China, like denouncing yes, <laughs> like this, yes. this Taiwan or something like that? <laughs> like, yeah, it's... he acknowledged Taiwan and then I had to immediately apologize and people drug him for weeks. <laughs> well-deserved, well-deserved. Yeah, yeah. I feel... I don't feel too bad for him, but it... <laughs> He's a millionaire. So it was all for family. It was all for the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> it was so that movie could be released. And so far, it's the highest grossing film of uh, 2021. So at least, you know, it got its huge. And it's it's uh, Black Widow actually exceeds it here in the States. But worldwide, 
you know, it, it destroyed things and it was because of the Chinese market and they almost banned it from the Chinese market because they acknowledged that a certain nationality of people are actual people. Oh, God. So yeah, they had to yeah. get a carny, a professional wrestler, to go on television and apologize, holding his phone vertical like a savage, like he was mm-hmm. taking an Instagram video, like a story. Yeah, I imagine he did it in Mandarin because he taught himself Mandarin uh, or learned it one way or another. It's huh? <laughs> a very driven individual, carny or not. Yeah, yeah. There. yeah. Uh, his jaw works over time too. It got so buff, like his. <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's a uh, fair drawn come to life, pretty much. Um... <laughs> But he's having a renaissance. I'm actually uh, going to New York City Comic Con and he's going to be there Saturday. And one of the reasons I'm going is to bring like a little kid to get John Cena's autograph. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, and I'm like low-key excited about meeting John Cena, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll get him to to sign something probably Fast and Furious related. You know, I'll get like the dumbest thing I could get John Cena to sign. I'll be like the one guy asking him to sign that one thing. Bring mm-hmm. my own promotional photo and pay an extra 20 bucks for it. <laughs> Boner. Ah, we should talk about the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. It, it begins with tragedy. I. Uh... It does. Did you like? So it begins with them seemingly in a relationship, much like they were at the end of Doctor Strange, I guess. But it it they're they're already romantically involved before yeah. he gets his mystical abilities and they're on the way to whatever ceremony apparently it was from the first doctor strange when mm-hmm. the car crash happens and he has christine with her but instead of getting killed or getting his getting hands his mangled hands yeah christine yeah. gets killed in this car crash and that becomes the motivation for him to seek out the mystical arts and find camartage and all of that Eventually becoming the Sorcerer Supreme after uh, defeating Dormammu. Uh, yeah, and and it's like seemingly all of the events of Doctor Strange play out exactly the same way, except mm-hmm. you know the 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 ancient one dies. Um, the oh, what else? He beats Dormammu. He becomes Sorcerer Supreme. But there's no um, Mordo, which is kind of you're curious. Correct. Yeah, yeah. They don't show him even once. Uh, I don't know what to make of that. Um, are the time travel element of this episode in general really like? I had assumed that uh, different timelines were different universes, but here it seems to be a bit different. Uh, it seems like, and and they kind of talk about it in Loki mm-hmm. with the time stones kind of being useless outside of their branch of time. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that multiverses and timelines aren't interchangeable, that they have their own kind of subcategory. Does that make sense? Yeah. The way I'm looking at it is that each uh, like branch eventually uh, just has, it hits these absolute points uh, where there's no going back in a particular timeline on the first outing. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, yeah, and I also assume that because the rules of time travel work differently here than they do in Endgame, that it's because it's magic and not uh, time travel through natural means for our technology. 
at technological means. Um, yeah. They don't have to obey the same rules. They can do back to the future. And like, it's a linear path of sorts. Like then at the end of Dr. Strange, it's almost like the time loops. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like with, whoop, drop my pen. Sorry. Cause I was getting excited making this little loop noise. Um, like timelines and universes aren't the same or interchangeable and are kind of different structural categories where branches like branch timelines coexist within one universe. You know what I mean? Like there could be the sacred timeline, but branch timelines could coexist like outside of that con- mm-hmm. concurrently. So this could be contained to one of those branches, if that makes yes. any sense. Yes. Because there's an infinity, there's an infinity stone in each one of those branches. But if you remove that stone from that branch, I guess that's where the dark stuff starts to happen. Like when you remove one of these kind of absolutes from it, mm-hmm. that's where they branch the timeline. But so long as you obey time travel within the rules of this eye of Agamotto, you are capable of timing yourself within the same branch. Does that make sense? <laughs> relatively, which is how the time travel in this episode makes sense. Just in a relative, you can't process it too hard, I don't think. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because then they, they split it into in a single universe. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's very odd. Uh, because we find spoilers. spoilers we find strange kind of not corrupted necessarily by the power but unable to come over the guilt of being the one responsible for causing this and and wanting christine back so he knows he's capable of going back to that event and changing it but what would happen if he did change it that would have been a what if, you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess that would have caused something because Christine ends up being one of these absolute points like the time stone was in Avengers Endgame where she was explaining removing one of these absolute points would cause total destruction and darkness for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. More or less, I think. Uh, I uh, I do find the uh, the time loop sequence where we see a, a or the Groundhog Day sequence really where they're he's going back and trying to change things little by little they could have cut that segment down a little bit I think uh maybe cut out the one where he does everything the same except uses his blinker uh, maybe that one could have been <laughs> on the cutting room floor that uh we could have gotten room for one more monster at the end if they cut absolutely, out yes, the yes. misery porn for a minute <laughs> Yes. Uh, <laughs> we did get the return of uh marvel's uh first like girl to get banged by tony stark in like the first 10 minutes of the first ever marvel movie leslie bibb as mm-hmm. christine everhart because he's trying to go back in time and prevent christine from dying and in one of them he stands her up and she goes back into her apartment and then he's like at a diner later that night drinking coffee and you see leslie bibb return mm-hmm. on the news for uh w h i h i didn't put that together that is a nice catch i uh yeah uh he finds out that she was burned down in her apartment building <laughs> lit on fire the night that he stands her up and that's what does her in that night yeah well, i mean there's even one where she just like falls over on the dance floor uh it mm-hmm. doesn't even explain so it's just died of a broken heart <laughs> yeah uh, yeah strange hate sand 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's so sandy. It's so coarse um, and it gets everywhere. Uh, that's why you bring two beach towels. Um, mm. So <laughs> the uh, the one that was like really kind of too much was they they skip out and they're like, "Good move on getting the pizza." And mm-hmm. it's just like a random mugger sees two people with oh, yeah, money yeah. and he shoots her <laughs> just from the street. Batman experience very much in that mm-hmm. treatment. Uh. Mm-hmm. The um, Groundhog's Day bit, though, like does have some like the movie Groundhog's Day has some misery porn in, in, in mm-hmm. itself. Like there's the whole bit where he meets that homeless guy. And he's like calling him pops and like, he's like in love with them. And at the end of the day, the guy like always dies no matter what. So he's like always trying to save that guy. And then there's a part where he's like trying to kill himself each day. And he like jumps out of like bell towers and drops toasters in the, in the uh, bathtub and stuff. It's, it's pretty miserable. This episode. And we've said this with each episode, except for, well, no episode three and four, we were kind of the most, but they're darker than a lot of, the MCU, you know, I see, you know, just people talking about like, hey, the show is kind of dark, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so far it has been. And this episode definitely the most so far. Because uh, even the second episode ended with um, Ego showing up at the Dairy Queen. Yeah. And just yes. kind of the inevitable end of the world. Like, hey, if you didn't pick him up, the world would have ended because he wouldn't have been equipped to do this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about Cagliostro? And uh, we're kind of jumping a bit weird in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I know almost nothing about the character other than that uh, Wikipedia. Uh, it starts with Obeng, which is the uh, black character that they introduced in this episode that says that he is not Cagliostro, so... He says he is not Cagliostro. Yeah. Yeah. Cagliostro is a character that I <laughs> I know from Spawn. <laughs> um, there's a DC Cagliostro and there's a Marvel Cagliostro, and the name itself is basically just, like, a cool Italian name of some guy who like worked his way up in circles to like pretending he was like an occultist you know and he would like get banished by marie antoinette and then go to the english and then go to the italians before the spanish inquisition that eventually got him and like killed him for being like an occultist but um i know him as like the homeless mentor of al simmons (laughs) from the spawn universe Mm -hmm. and he was like in the movie and he's kind of like spawns like homeless stinky yoda Kind of, yeah, yeah. Uh, like and- you know the 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 um, you know the time, the, not the time, the life. Like how Spawn has lives. Like every time he uses his shit, mm-hmm. like it like takes a life off. Like he's got a life meter, basically, like a video game character. Cagliostro mm-hmm. is one of those guys, but he's at the end of his life meter, so he can't really fuck shit up anymore. If that makes sense. Yes, yes, it does. It does. And I thought it was funny that uh. A comic book had like a point system like that like a video game like a side scroller mm-hmm. i mean it's not unprecedented or i granted spawn came uh a bit earlier than some of the others that have gimmicks like that i guess but... <laughs> that they just completely reverse eventually when the life meter gets too low <laughs> of course you can't have 
this bankable character dies forever or anything. <laughs> we need King Spawn and Gunslinger Spawn this uh this fall, the new oh, yeah. launch of the Spawn universe. The uh, the reason I wanted to mention Cagliostro is I wanted to ask does that count as introducing a new character? Because I've been operating under the assumption that they huh. can't do it. They mentioned him, so it's just Huh. Uh I have a terrible thought go through my head where maybe he was Mordo, but then I thought that could come off as kind of racist just thinking that because he's just another black guy sorcerer. Uh, Maybe they gave him a blue eye to make it even easier. (laughs) Well, he had one red eye and one blue eye, which I thought was cool. Mm -hmm. To make it a facial story to tell you he's not Mordo. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, but that is his comic book name too. You know that? Yes, yes. That's what I was trying to uh, mention earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's not a character I've ever read in a comic. Uh, personally. He's uh, he's mostly from the Tomb of Dracula and Dracula-related books. Okay, <laughs> if, so that, if you, that makes sense. Uh, if you fellow listeners want to uh, read up on uh, Cagliostro, he's mostly a uh, Dracula bad guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I Did you like the um, ancient library of, of uh, Cagliostro? We probably should say they go to this ancient library because the ancient one returns like we get yes the ancient one basically stopping strange during this entire like crazed groundhog's day time loop that he's put himself in and she drops down and basically explains that her death is an absolute point in the timeline that's completely unchangeable or unmovable like the absolute time, the absolute time points are this new rule in the MCU's kind of ever expanding time logic, where it's like a fixed kind of load bearing watershed moment that just can't be erased. Like it's a anchor point to maintain the stability of the timeline itself. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably. The way it works, maybe it has something to do with Kang. <laughs> now let's find it down the line. That's uh, what I'm he's saying. Maybe the TVA a little differently now. Maybe Kang puts these absolute points in, and they're what uh, maintains the stability as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which possibly. allows him to continue on this loop within the same thing. It's like you cannot move that because this is the way we're supposed to be going. Mm-hmm. You know, even though this might not take place within the sacred timeline, in whatever timeline this is, that's still strange. And Ancient One's job is to protect that timeline with the mm-hmm. use of these very specific things to protect it. You know, like they were granted the singularity of the universe that controls time to make sure it works in a in, in its own way, even though it's not the, the grander big thing that we do know a little bit about from Kang and Loki, you know? Mm-hmm. Should we get to the summoning? <laughs> what well, did you like seeing? Oh yeah. You uh, asked me a kind I, of return. I really ignored it. I, uh... No, no, no. I, I went on a tangent on how the timeline works. <laughs> yeah. And I just talked myself into my own time loop. And I'm just like you're bargaining with yourself well, at this point, like trying to I, make sense of it. I understand it. you're you're trying to work through how this shit works, uh, and mm-hmm. yeah, like in my head, I have it clear sometimes, and then whenever I try to recount it, it mm-hmm. comes out less clear. And yeah. I imagine 
it's the same for some of the people writing this stuff. <laughs> I'm I'm sure, and some of the people just trying to untangle it. Like we mm-hmm. for the listeners, you know, I have my camera on. Travis, what if I turned it on and you just saw like a map behind me someday? Would you be surprised if I just Not like started tying shoestrings up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh... And and then there's just the the green Doctor Strange one that's going in a circle on the on in each one you know what i mean mm-hmm. you know they all have their own protectors of that one and that is kind of what the wizards do you know yeah, they yeah. protect that specific thing they're defenders of that so yeah um, i i will go ahead and address your uh, library question did I you like, like it? it it was kind of like indiana jones uh like dungeon crawling i guess a little bit movie traps and stuff like that but uh, we saw some booby traps, which we know you know how to spell based on yes, last week. Where we yes, t- <laughs> I, uh, I've been rewarded for being able to spell. Uh, mm-hmm. I was excited to have the word booby in my notes two weeks in a row with different contexts each time. It was yeah. exciting and more proof that it's a more versatile word than we ever gave it credit for. So, <laughs> Just going to backtrack and uh, my own. Uh, to the very beginning of the episode, pretty much. Oh, you don't want to talk about how the ruins are the same ruins that he cast that are <laughs> the protector spell at the end? Oh, the, the Vashanti spell? Uh, no, we'll, no we'll, get to the, we get we'll get, we get we'll there. Get there. We'll get there. We'll talk about the Vashanti I spell. I <laughs> want to talk about Dr. Strange's alcoholism. Uh, uh, he's not an alcoholic in the comics, right? I, uh, I'm not ready. Uh, he's a party dude, you know? <laughs> Well, he's, he's here. I thought they might make him one, or at least this version of him, because of uh, the loss and everything, and even just showing him sad and depressed and drinking too much is probably a better adaptation of Demon in the Bottle than Iron Man Two. Oh <laughs> yeah, and there's literal demons this time too. yeah yeah so, so yeah. he's battling his literal and figurative demons right. which is a nice little double twist mm-hmm. so, yeah, much yes. like uh the evil dead remake remember when they're like <laughs> i'm kicking heroin and that was like the plot line to the new uh, evil yeah. dead I we were talking about sam raimi before but there's some rough delivery uh, in that yeah uh, and the uh, the droid subplot works a little less for me each time i watch it uh it it kind of the more you watch it the more you just kind of want it to cut to the chase and just be a cabin in the wood movie you know Absolutely. what i mean which is Absolutely. yeah and it's this weird kind of like literal and figurative like i'm fighting my demons and i'm actually fighting demons you know like and, <laughs> and it gets like super metal and she goes through a draw like totally great she handles it like a champ with a fucking didn't shit herself and, once uh-huh. Yeah, didn't didn't like you know no chills. She's just you know getting blood rained on her, calling demons bitches. So mm-hmm. like props, you know, <laughs> maybe the adrenaline did it to you. Um, that b- movie was written by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. The mm-hmm. uh, he was like one of the producers for whatever horror movie company did that because they also did the Carrie remake. Mm-hmm. that um he wrote and directed and he was also like writing on glee but he was like came from marvel was a huge marvel guy and in 2004 resurrected a long lived a long dead kind of not dead but just like gone and forgotten you know character of um what's her name christine palmer 
Christine Palmer. Yes, uh, he he was the one who resurrected Christine Palmer into the present day where she started getting used a little bit more and more. Um, she has like no relationship to Doctor Strange. <laughs> she like reappeared in a Nightcrawler series when Roberto's Aguirre Sacasa mm-hmm. brought her back uh, because Nightcrawler got shot or something and he gets treated at the hospital that she works at and she's just a nurse. And then she's from a Silver Age um series called night nurse which was about like three up-and-coming young uh professional girls growing up in the big city who work the night shift so the first half is a like will he won't they kind of like teen girl like romance thing like a cw kind of show and then the second half is like you know see like er basically and like Mm -hmm. a or, or general hospital or something like that and it's just it's fucking weird <laughs> that they chose this character of all characters basically to be the main like girl for Dr. Strange kind of getting back to like how forgettable <laughs> she is. She's kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. It is you know? not one of the good uh, romantic relationships in the MCU. Uh, and Rachel McAdams kind of rules too. She's, yeah. It's uh, not her fault that the character isn't great or the chemistry just isn't really there. Uh, mm-hmm. But unlike uh, her being forgettable or the villain being forgettable in Doctor Strange, like a lot of his rogue other than Wong are kind of just like there. Mm -hmm. Um, This episode's bad guy ends up being (laughs) Doctor Strange himself, because when he's there at this um, library of Cagliostro, he's trying to learn the magic uh, required to basically summon the dark dimension and cause um this absolute point in the timeline to break like he can fix the absolute point and get away with it and Mm -hmm. when he finds the book on time i guess the book of cagliostro which we had seen in the doctor strange movie right and it's the same book yes yes but Uh, this is thousands of years earlier Mm -hmm. he was still intact at this point with the uh uh well, obviously, not Malekith. I don't know why I keep calling Mads Mikkelsen this character Malekith. Because they're the other forgettable villain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That they, we were getting to. <laughs> they didn't have to be, but they were, yeah. They were. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about the Mandarin with you, man, because I thought it was cool. <laughs> I did, too. I did, too. Uh, oh. But yes, we get a whole bunch of uh, summonings here, where he's... Mm-hmm. Has to get the power, uh, basically, yep. to enough uh, magical power to undo this absolute point or overpower it, pretty much. And the uh, the the page that he learned all of this from and and this information from is the same page that Cassilius. Hmm? Tore that, out. Is that is it. I know. I know. I wanted to. I wanted to get through it because I knew where you were going. <laughs> but the the page that Cassilius had torn out in the Doctor Strange movie is the page where he learns how to summon the, um, you know, the spells from this dark universe and start fucking with the dark magic that's yeah. forbidden, which um, Tilda Swinton's ancient one also drew her power from, too, because he always called her hypocrite, uh, Mads mm-hmm. Mickelson, uh, Malekith. Who's Joe said? It's Malekith. It's it- Malekith. Yep. Yeah. He drew from the darkness of the dark elves and <laughs> there was darkness and that's uh-huh. why he's evil. 
<laughs> um, but she drew from the dark dimension too, and he would always call her a hypocrite. And they had the cool ruin on their forehead whenever they would use it, and it was pretty badass. And Strange yeah. learns and that the secret see... is to absorb these entities. Mm-hmm. We see some of uh, the same sort of deal where he uh, makes his life go on much longer than uh, would be natural. But the summonings, I liked that we got a, a ton of kind of wacky creatures here. Uh, we did. The first one was a tentacle monster, very similar one. to Captain uh, Carter, right? Yeah, I assume it's the same one. I'm thinking we'll probably see the full thing at some point. Uh, I don't know how, but uh, I'm sure there's something more to it. Uh, if it is, it's the first instance of continuity between... Um, these shows other than the watcher, it would be the first, like, cause it's trans-dimensional at this point, we find out that yeah. it would be capable of this. So it could be the first instance of one, like the same thing in mm-hmm. the same, you know, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I do think we're going to get a what if crossover eventually, uh, probably at the season finale or something. Well, uh, there's a, uh, shot in the trailer, mm-hmm. a really quick shot of, captain carter talking to a disheveled strange with a cool collar so oh yeah oh you you bastard you got to talk about the collar before i got there but we'll get to the collar we'll We'll get get to the collar we'll get to the um vishanti (laughs) we'll get there (laughs) i i want to talk about the summonings and how cool that they use like more traditional animation for some of these creatures like the bird one looks like a hand drawing uh to me Maybe the little gnome guy looked very Disney. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was just like a fun little uh, thing that worked in the episode, even though the, this show's established a much different art style. Uh, it was a great instance of why Doctor Strange worked so well in animation, too, because of the kind of far out nature of mm-hmm. Doctor Strange art. And it just being a way for an artist to kind of flex on like drawing really cool badass shit on fire, <laughs> you know. <laughs> There's the uh, I you want to talk about it, but I'll I'll set it up and you knock it down. There a bug comes out and Strange mm-hmm. says basically I don't fuck with bugs, but I love your fancy jacket and mm-hmm. steals his jacket and squishes the bug and we get this cool like almost jafar looking jacket you know yeah it is closer to the comic collection or a certain era of the comic book rather where it's got the more outlandish color and the the gold trim on the cape uh which i dig and the more pronounced symbol on his chest which is in the mcu's costume but you can barely see it uh yeah i uh I dig this look for him. I hope we get it in live action. I don't care if it's ridiculous. I, I don't care. The closer yeah. my characters look to a Ric Flair outfit, the better. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone can pull it off, it's the wizards. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so easy. Very, very pronounced angular collar. Yeah. Yeah. Shoulder pads. Curves, it's, it's nice. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, very flashy style, not modest. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I like the um, the dragon. I like the goat with two heads. 
I like just the, the transformations that uh, Strange undergoes for, especially the demon one, where he, he turns into Mephisto for a second, and <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's not really Mephisto, I know that, but yeah, it... Uh... Do you want me to uh, tell you why I think it could be Mephisto? <laughs> Feel free, feel free. Uh-huh. Okay, so, um, <laughs> I was just say, dig it if you will. Um, <laughs> so I have here: Is Doctor Strange and Spider Man No Way Home actually Mephisto? Question mark. Kind of like One More Day style. So the way that Marvel got around kind of retconning. Spider-Man and his history and dealing with some annoying stuff that happened, you know, a couple years prior, kind of like what the MCU has to do with Sony, is they used Mephisto as the kind of MacGuffin of the whole thing. And, and you know, Peter struck a deal with Mephisto and said, like, if you can you do this, I'll give you this, you know, which is a very similar kind of role that Doctor Strange seems to be playing. Like, how can we get some of this stuff here and some of that stuff there to play nice, kind of? So, like, in the trailers for No Way Home, if you look at Strange's hands, they're fully intact. There's no burns on them whatsoever, and they're, like, steady as a rock. And he's, like, tying this piece of hair and doing all this stuff. But, like, in Infinity War and all the movies and and, uh, and Endgame, yeah. he's very shaky, and he's got visible scarring all over his hands. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we know this version of Doctor Strange has not hurt his hands, right? And we know he's gone a little bonkers by the end of this, and he's trying to get out of a shitty situation, <laughs> you know? So maybe mm-hmm. bargaining with this kid somehow it will play kind of a mephisto role, and we know the multiverse of madness is coming, so maybe there's going to be a lot of Doctor Stranges and shit like that, you know? So I, I don't see it being <laughs> that far out of possibility that Mephisto is confirmed right here. <laughs> It is Does an this interesting observation. I had noticed the lack of hand scarring uh, in the No Way Home trailer. I mm-hmm. did note that uh, earlier in the episode, Obang tells, uh, uh, what did it say? It's Obang that tells Doctor Strange that these entities that he's summoning don't bargain, or mystical entities don't bargain, which runs counter mm-hmm. towards what we've seen in the first Doctor Strange movie where he literally bargains his way out of the issue with Dormammu. Uh, but what if Dormammu knew there was worse on the other side for Strange? So mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily a bargain and Dormammu ended up being, like, getting what he wanted. Like, he freed all of this shit. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I imagine we'll be seeing Dormammu again uh, at some point. Uh, so Benedict Cumberbatch has an excuse to put on those little balls and do the uh, mm-hmm. the creepy uh, mocap for him? Of course. Of course. Uh there's some cool flashes of body horror when it's like a single shot on Strange's face, just kind of morphing between mm-hmm. all of these kind of demonic entities, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the coolest moment in this part was probably Dr. Strange noticing Watu. Uh, this is the part. Yeah. Yeah. Where a Watu's edging over there to 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 get it, you know. <laughs> this makes the second episode where it. we told the edging. Oh, yeah. This is 
the second time today. I'm not sure if we were talking about it and we were recording before, but we definitely have brought up edging in our conversation today. <laughs> but he's thinking about getting involved, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's feeling very left out. Mm-hmm. He's like, I should do something. I could save it. Mm-hmm. No, you can't. You can't get involved. But these people, it's like, it's better just them than not the rest of the universes, you know, mm-hmm. but your duties. <laughs> very fun moment regardless and have you have you seen strange referred to as strange supreme yet yes once i I was in some headline online i i haven't Mm -hmm. looked to see what is that what this version of dr strange is being called i guess that's what he's being called because like i just want to get because like after all the flashes and the summoning yeah, of the yeah. fucking tentacles he's like in full like super saiyan dr strange like crazy person mm-hmm. mode you know he's like all powerful op dr strange kind of yeah he's got you know when he's got the uh energy surging around him with the kirby crackle uh mm-hmm. yeah yeah it, not the introduction of it to the mcu you know, i guess they did something with it in florida ragnarok with the title but First time I've noticed it. Uh, A lot of influence from Kirby and Steve Dicko in this episode with the kind of infamous, you know, flashes of the background, the Kirby crackle. Mm-hmm. Um, later on in the episode, you see a lot of the the world's basically being like eaten by negative space, <laughs> you know, yes. on like a comic yes. book panel and like mm-hmm. drippy inks. Which is like a very Steve Dicko-y kind of thing, you know? And and it translates so well. Mm-hmm. And the surrealism elements of this episode translate so well to animation, you yeah, know? Yeah, this wizard fight was more visually interesting than the WandaVision one. Uh, granted, those are witches, but same concept. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, actually, hmm? we didn't talk about it before, but there's a brief wizard fight between Doctor Strange and the Ancient One, where she's telling him about yes. this being an absolute point. Mm-hmm. And if if you're a crazy person and you watch it really slow, like I did today, <laughs> you'll notice, uh, you know, she does her last, like, wizard energy blast at him, mm-hmm. and it cuts to all white. And this like black line, like of ink, kind of like the looking like the ink at the end. It like mm-hmm. goes up, splits the screen in half, and then pops to like all white space, which is like a Steve Dicko kind of cream dream, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> sequence. Um, but then later on, actually, like right about where we are, where we get you know Strange Supreme, we find out that he's kind of half of a whole does that make any sense yes yes he's been split into uh yeah he's like one half of himself in a split reality on the same timeline Mm -hmm. they don't explain really what uh if she gave his slightly better nature to one of them or if it was just a random chance here but well, what I'm thinking is because where that occurred mm-hmm. is where Strange crashed, right? Mm-hmm. So what if it 
started from there and the strange that because it jumps to another half who's seemingly kind of like moved on from Christine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, didn't make the choice to use the eye of Agamotto. But what if it split right there and it was like strange going to one place, strange going. It stopped at that absolute point in time. So strange was capable of living his normal life up until that point where the what if is kind of like do you use the Agam- eye of agamotto to go back or you don't and he's the one who said like yeah. no okay he's the one outside. that's already yeah i i get you know yeah that makes sense, that makes <laughs> thanks. sense. thanks uh, i felt like a crazy person trying to like get there <laughs> yeah 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 no it this is kind of a tough episode to discuss because of how uh far out that concept is in general uh mm-hmm. And just the multiverse stuff, and it's a lot to yeah. uh, wrap your head around. Yeah. We get Ghost of Tilda Swinton, and Ancient One kind of shows up to explain what the fuck is going on, and she's a uh, a seismic impression that's like an echo almost mm-hmm. in time and space. Like, she called out to this exact point that she had seen, and this is her, like, transmitting that before she's dead or something like that, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It makes me happy because maybe she'll do more of this stuff. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I'm fine with Ghost Tilda. Uh, or Echo. I'm fine. Oh, Tilda. Huh? Yeah, or, or Yoda Tilda or Obi-Wan Tilda, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you need to, Tilda that's willing to do this stuff, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You hear that anyone named Tilda write in to MCU beyond infinity podcast at gmail.com and, and tell us what you're doing. Um, <laughs> um, but she's been drawing, she drew on powers from the dark dimension at that point in time, split the timeline, allowing for two of strangest possible timelines to occur within one universe. Mm-hmm. She drew on the powers of the dark dimension to split the timeline allowing for two of Strange's possible timelines to occur in one universe. That is correct. <laughs> it took me a while to phrase it, but I believe yes. that's how you would say it. Uh, it it's fucked up, that, again, that the nomenclature of timeline and universe are different because it's very easy kind of in trying to explain things to just fuck one of those up and just be like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I definitely I use right? them interchangeably myself mm-hmm. uh it's a bit more complicated than that <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah uh, and we learned they're not one in the same thanks to the great tilda swinton <laughs> mm-hmm. she says um if the other strange succeeds in reversing an absolute point in time in our universe the resulting temporal paradox will destroy the entire universe and as she's saying this you see all of New York being fucking sucked into the Steve Dicko ink looking stuff. And he realizes I got to go duke it out with strange Supreme. This is finally Travis where Wong gives the uh, protection spell of the guardian Vashanti. So Vashanti is a thing in the comics and we were under the impression that these shows weren't allowed to introduce like actual characters. Oh yeah, yeah. I right. I wouldn't view this as introducing a character. I the Vashanti. I just view as one of uh, the things that Doctor Strange says before he casts one of his protective spells. 
<laughs> something like that. Uh, so, like the you know how I was saying before how strange in the comics draws upon magic of other things and like pays a price yes. with himself. Like all magic, nothing is created or destroyed. It's kind of like um, a Newton style thing where mm-hmm. you take and people take, and that's how it that's how it works. <clears throat> so. Oster, Hagarth, and Agamotto are all like items <clears throat> that Doctor Strange wears. So they were all like ancient wizards who yeah. like had things, and they're they're the kind of godlike entities that Strange draws his power from. Like that's why when he casts a spell, he almost always says like Vashanti something. It's because he's using the Agamotto Vashanti. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, yes, it does. It does. Uh like they're patrons of the Sorcerer Supreme, you get to call upon the mm-hmm. the Vashanti. Yep. I still don't view it as introducing characters. Just referencing them. If we saw them, it'd be one thing, probably. And it's not as big as, like, uh, the Silver Mephisto? Surfer. The power of the Silver <laughs> Surfer. <laughs> the power of Cosmic? Yes, yes. Well, like, well, Silver Surfer's crashed the party at Doctor Strange's before. He's fallen through the roof. Before. Yes, he, he pretty much fulfilled the Hulk rule in mm-hmm. uh, Infinity War. Yes. Yep. He bickers in the living room of, of the Sanctum with uh, Doctor Doom for a little while. <laughs> and they're standing around a couch yelling at each other <laughs> for like two whole pages. It's very funky times. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Um, did you like the Strange vs. Strange fight as well? Yes, yes, I did. I, like I said, it was a much more interesting wizard fight this time uh, than what we've seen previously. The Infinity War, uh, Doctor Strange versus uh, Thanos, I view that as kind of a wizard fight because they're both using mystical uh, powers. That one becomes close for live action, but like we were saying earlier, animation just favors these sorts of things. Uh, well, you see Strange use the multiple hand, uh, you know, strike thing that is like something that's blanking my mind, but it's something from the comics. You see a lot of like Dicko style Strange stuff in that Infinity War fight. Mm-hmm. And it looks good, but a lot of times they seem to just kind of use wizards as um, almost just like guys shooting yellow stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, it becomes like a Dragon Ball Z fight where they're just firing beams at one another. I enjoyed the Infinity War one because it was like an exchange of them transforming each other's uh, magic. Uh, yeah, uh, same, same here. And I like this because the evil Strange is drawing upon all of the things that he had sucked the souls of basically before. Mm-hmm. So you see him kind of morphing and like doing all of these you know crazy dope things like the way he finally well there's a cloak fight first which is pretty yes, cool yeah yeah that was uh brief i kind of missed it the first time i saw this and then uh yeah i noticed it for sure when uh strange supreme rips the the cloak in half um you hear a little cry noise in the audio <laughs> oh goodness uh I'm scared. I'm not going to talk about it later, Travis, but Shang-Chi has a Wilhelm scream. I missed is... it. And those usually drive me insane. I hate them. You do? Yes, I hate the Wilhelm scream. It just takes me right out of the moment. Usually. You I don't even like them in pulpy stuff like Star Wars or Indiana Jones? I 
not as much because I grew up with them there, but in newer stuff, it always ride out. <laughs> I think they're funny. The 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 one in in Shangxi is um, when they're doing the scaffolding fight mm-hmm. at Not Madripoor, and they um, he's like holding some guy, and he's like, "Why'd they take the amulet? Why'd they take the amulet?" And he drops him, and it does the Wilhelm scream, and the sister's okay. like, "Oh, did yeah, America get you soft?" There, I mm-hmm. as far as I missed that. I. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite deaths in movies is people falling to their deaths into pits and stuff. And mm-hmm. they give us a lot of that in Shang-Chi. Um, <laughs> that's all we'll say about it for now. Yeah, tomorrow. we'll just talk about how much we like guys getting pushed off cliffs and, and buildings and stuff in movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, is, that is definitely a dope way to die. I like um, the slow-mo of the girl usually getting dropped. And him being like, no, and then you see the slow-mo of the girl screaming, mm-hmm. you know, as she falls to her doom. I like that trope as well, uh, particularly the movie Cliffhanger. <laughs> and uh, I knew you were going to go there somehow. I Did I you? Never Is it because I'm an Italian white guy <laughs> with a black shirt and a Dom Toretto chain across my neck? <laughs> I... Now that you say it, yes, yes, that should have been an indicator. Is it that obvious? <laughs> It was my inherent like bias against the Italians, <laughs> I, I suppose. It's okay. Um, I just instantly think of Stallone in, like, the smallest shorts possible. Like, that was it. And it was cold. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is he wearing biking shorts, mountain climbing, you know? And he's just like... Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what... Featuring, but to tie it into the show, Travis, to tie it all together and put the bow on this, um, the best friend character who consoles Stallone after he drops his girlfriend and later joins the fight when he's back in action fighting the bad guys played by John Larroquette, I think is the bad guy in that movie or John Lithgow, whichever one's from Third Rock from the Sun. That's the bad guy in Cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Lithgow, who plays a bad guy in all the old De Palma movies, like Blowout and shit. Mm-hmm. Good bad guy. But the best friend character of Stallone is played by MCU Beyond Affinity favorite Michael Rooker, by the way. Oh, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he was in that one. I, yep. I haven't seen it since I was kids. Uh. Yep, he's like probably fifth or sixth build in these mm-hmm. <laughs> it was probably like his biggest role <laughs> up until that point mm-hmm. before yondu is is cliffhanger that was probably a good payday that was probably like a john mctiernan joint right it wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise me yeah um the part that i really liked was towards the end of the uh strange on strange bit is when like the shadow <laughs> strange yes, like he disappears yeah. i've got that and, in my notes as well uh yeah and he like drags him to like a shadow realm but that is again talking about like dicko kirby like just dragging him down into the negative space um there's a lot of shard glass imagery in this episode that I just want to bring up because I have it so many times and I noticed it so many times. The obvious one is like 
you know, the beginning of the episode, that's kind of how they show the multiverse in the credits as yes. like these shards of glass. This episode has the, the, the death of Christine constantly being framed from behind the broken rear window. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you're kind of seeing this like kind of repeated motif of like how these universes are all kind of mirrors of each other on top of everything. But the <laughs> the um the shadow realm it, it was cool he tries to trick strange right strange yes yes he it. pretends to be christine for a minute uh mm-hmm. and then the eye of agamotto turns red right I, when he's kind of doing his final thing i missed that i uh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which makes me think because he's not only fucking with time at that point right mm-hmm. he's also fucking with reality because we know he's removing an absolute point yes from this timeline which will fuck with reality which is like universal so the red stone is the reality stone correct mm-hmm. yes yes it is uh, yeah yeah another singularity and another force much like the eye of agamotto mm-hmm. bit of a stretch travis <laughs> i gotta say <laughs> but <laughs> Well, he's destabilizing uh, this reality by undoing this absolute point. And mm-hmm. uh, they very much said that the Infinity Stones uh, are necessary uh, for the universe to exist in its form. Uh, mm-hmm. Even if they're atomized, they still exist, uh, like mm-hmm. how they are in the mainline uh, universe. Does Strange still have the Eye of Agamotto? He has the necklace. Uh, it's a cool necklace. In, in the multiverse, or not multiverse madness, but in No Way Home, he's still wearing it. So I don't know if it's just habit or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it would be with him because he had it. So if it was returned to its absolute point after Endgame, mm-hmm. when Cap was going back and it was returned on the timeline in the same universe to its absolute point, then strange would end up inevitably having it because he had it before that absolute point. Like he would have been given it by that time in the timeline. Does that make sense? Well, I, it depends on, uh, if you're working off in ending, uh, time travel rules, <laughs> <laughs> You see, changing the past doesn't change the future, but if you're talking about this episode's rules, then yes, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's more <laughs> back to the future. No, I don't think they had progressed to the point where the Agamotto was destroyed. Uh, or the necklace, rather. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm I'm kind of thinking, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of annoying because it is so loosey-goosey and i spend so much time thinking about it i was like would that work you know uh-huh but that's kind of the beauty of time travel and you can usually talk yourself into it making sense you know if you just make it complicated enough to where people just mm-hmm. run out of uh questions to ask yeah. to make sense of it <laughs> they'll eventually just you can beat mm-hmm. them into submission with it or if you keep telling yourself that it's mm-hmm. definitely true <laughs> So how do you feel about this ending? I like Strange's final form mm-hmm. with the wings and the tentacles I mean, like and the Beauty horns. And the Beast, even though it's like much more monstrous, but yeah, he had hoofed feet. Mm-hmm. 
and he had giant like fucking heavy metal horns and tattered <laughs> wings and like octopus tails and like 20 eyes like celestial looking kind of mm-hmm. only eyes for her though that <laughs> mm. that's true uh, there's probably a song written about it somewhere too mm-hmm. um it was a bummer what <laughs> It, I it, it, it enjoyed it. I mm-hmm. I liked it with such a dark ending. It's only offset a little by thinking that we're going to see the strange again and they're going to uh take some of the punch away uh from it. I um I started the episode off kind of saying that this was structured more like a fable. Of some kind or a cautionary tale of some kind that kind of be careful what you wish for monkey paw kind of thing right yeah and the ending again it like dr- drives that home and it and because of the devil and the demonic imagery it's almost like a faustian kind of deal you know what i mean like he he danced with the devil and this is kind of what you get you, you know tell moonlight yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly so let's talk about who's going to play Joker for uh, the yeah. new Rob Pattinson Batman movie. <laughs> you wanted all I, I, I You wanted Tilda door. Swinton. <laughs> I, I was mostly kidding about that, though I'm sure she would do a, a tremendous job. I I hope they stayed the fuck away from Joker for a while. <laughs> my honest, uh, yeah. yeah. I think we've seen plenty of him. I know they're not going to, but... His movie that cost nothing to make made a billion dollars. So, and it wasn't even the Joker. It was just. It's amazing the that the Batman isn't, or the, the Joker isn't the Batman in this next movie with that kind of money. It's insane. It's 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 actually insane that that's what movies were kind of just like fast tracking to make before the pandemic, and now we're like, oh, I hope it makes fifty million. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I hope yeah. that moderately, you know budgeted kind of mid-budget film makes more than 50 million because it won't it'll go to vod and then end mm-hmm. up on streaming and no one will know how to pay anybody for it and it won't be worth making movies of that budget anymore and it's a bummer so yeah. glad joker made a billion but mm-hmm. it made a billion dollars because it was called fucking joker you know <laughs> which is insane because I mean, we talked about it on our Suicide Squad the Fortress of Solid Dudes how Harley Quinn is like oddly fifth pillar and maybe even fourth because Superman, Batman, number one and two. But I think it's more like Batman, Joker, Superman, Harley Quinn, Wonder Woman in terms of like what sells the most like marketing bullshit. You know, I could see that being the case. Uh, she's kind of DC Deadpool where it has been booming. <laughs> right? And Joker is the same way. Mm-hmm. And like Joker, I think is like number two. I think Joker is more popular than Superman in the pop culture. You know? Oh, I like right imagine now. that may be accurate now. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I've seen how many dudes have Joker as their cover photo or whatever. I've with Superman tattoos too, though. It's that is like true. Macho, that is true. Uh, mm-hmm. Not your grandpa's Superman, you know? Then again, a lot of people have Punisher tattoos, whatever. The Punisher is all that uh, popular among mainstream uh, well there was that cool Dolph Lundgren movie <laughs> that cooler uh, uh, Warzone movie I, I... Mm-hmm. 
You know who directed Cliffhanger, by the way? Rennie Harlan, director of Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, by the way. I just yeah, got to say. Yeah, that is. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize. Uh, mm-hmm. And so he directed that is the Die one Hard 2. Freddy gets resurrected by Flaming Dog Pest, if memory serves. So That is the one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't get much more insulting to the audience than that. <laughs> no. But this is kind of a funny story that kind of is like um, it it predates us being on the podcast together. And it popped up today in my memory from like 10 years ago. And it was the both of us sharing 15 movies that like uh, shaped us. Not necessarily like our favorites, just the ones that we probably watched the most of. Yeah, yeah. And both of us had um, Nightmare 3 on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like watching that as an adult. It is not the best Nightmare on Elm Street movie. It's still my sentimental favorite, though. It, Same. Just the concept of these victims getting powers uh, based on their personality and trying to fight back is a fun concept. For <laughs> the movie. one guy's like a D&D guy, right? Yes, yes. My favorite one growing up. Now I lean more towards the, the punk rock trick, but Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I was about to say, like, there's a clear winner here. Travis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say that, that it's it's the junky goth girl. That's yes, the winner. Yes. That's the one I'm bringing home to mom. Let me tell you. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a very cool concept. I want to say uh, Dream Master has my favorite ending of a nightmare film. If it's the one in the church, yeah. uh, if it's not that one, then it, whichever one that is is my favorite climax. Uh, you, you know, it says a lot about you and I, too, both having that. We both mm-hmm. had Temple of Doom and didn't have Raiders. <laughs> oh, I know. The, the shockiest. Well, um, I don't know if you recall uh, Crystal Skull's shock is bad. It's not. Yeah, it's just bad. Yeah, You're going to ignore yeah. it. Yeah. Temple of Doom is yeah definitely the one that I watched the most growing up. The heart rip scene is etched into my memory. Uh, yeah, it was paced like a roller coaster because a good portion of the movie was just a roller coaster, you know what I mean? It's it's a literal thrill ride. Speaking, as a child. Yeah, speaking of that, it is one of those movies that did not benefit as much uh, from Blu ray because you can see how bad that the minecart scenes look. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, the high definition it doesn't do it favors, uh, the special effects. I find uh, a lot of that with uh, 4K transfers of older movies that shouldn't look like that kind of mm-hmm. that would kind of play better on i mean standard definition dvd is probably as good as you should go before it becomes movies. yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i agree uh, like the texas chainsaw massacres of the world the evil deads of the world probably a lot of kung fu movies stuff mm-hmm. like that you know so do um temple of doom is kind of like that though it's kind of like the really pulpy schlocky genre movie in the middle of this, like this really silly adventure, you mm-hmm. know, problematic a bit, but <laughs> a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, um, the, the, one slave of the more race. annoying characters <laughs> in, in, in history, uh, uh, what's her name? Billy. <laughs> okay. I was about to shut my laptop. If you said short round. <laughs> no, no, I don't have any issue at all with short round. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, even if he was annoying, you wouldn't be able to tell because of how obnoxious she is. I didn't pick up on that as a kid, but yeah. Hold on one sec, I should. (laughs) 
I like unironically own the short round hat because I'm just like this old bastard from Long Island who like has a Mets hat that I just noticed. I was like, I bought the fucking short round hat and I'd like been wearing it like a dad hat for the past like, you know, like two years without like thinking that it's a short round hat. Mm-hmm. It's pretty funny. Very nice. Very convenient that you had it there. Did you, you plan on bringing up Temple of Doom all this time? No, so? I had no idea. I had no idea we were going to be talking about Temple of Doom. That's what I'm saying. It's something that I just always have around. I never leave home without it. It's a go-to, <laughs> you know? Very nice. I um I work with this girl who's, like, shorter. And, like, one Halloween, I was like, we should be short round and and Indy, Anna Jones for Halloween. That would be pretty funny. <laughs> Have her be Indy, huh? Have, yeah, have her be Indy and be, be short round. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So short round's just towering over Indy for once. <laughs> and Indy's a little Chinese girl. <laughs> um, God, the episode goes to credits at the the, the bleakest possible yes, yes. moment. <laughs> what are we talking about, Doctor Strange? Um. Yeah, like the 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 bleakest possible moment. It crumbles into kind of like shards of glass, kind of similar to what we've been talking about. <laughs> the uh, the motif, yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, the the uh, the breadcrumbs, you know, being sprinkled throughout this mm-hmm. uh, delicious salad. Been well, looking I mean, for yeah, bottled the, water the on. mirror imagery that you're talking about, and it kind of works since there's a a, a complete mirror villain where it's. Just an evil version of an established hero. Uh, like shattered glass. Like mm-hmm. shattered glass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you have anything else to say about the episode before we jump to our reviews? I do not. I do not. Uh, All right. Let's do it. Tell us how you really feel. Let's read this. Okay, Travis, so on the MCU Beyond Infinity podcast, we rate the episodes from one to six Infinity Stones, one being the worst, six being the best. We do accept half stones. What do you rate? What if episode four, what if Doctor Strange lost his hands instead of his heart? Not his heart instead of his hands. I am going to give this uh, the same score I gave last week's episode which is a five out of six. Uh, even though I liked it a bit more than uh, last week's episode, it's very close, and uh, it's not to the point of being as enjoyable as uh, Into the Spider-Verse, which is kind of the peak Marvel animation. I don't know if anything we're going to get from Marvel Studios is going to match that animation-wise. Uh like the the bar is set at Spider Verse, and will Marvel Studios ever invest in an animated feature of that caliber? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I I don't either. Uh, it'd be nice, but I'm not holding my breath. Uh, and don't, that movie is expensive too. I just don't think Marvel Studios would spend that much money on mm-hmm. an animated movie, as nice as it would be. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh. I like down endings, and this one is the downest of endings <laughs> for Marvel animation. Uh, There's no uh, rainbow at the end of the tunnel, 
in this yeah. episode. Like the other ones had, you know, Carol showing up and there being some Avengers, despite, you know, Peggy being bombed. The second one had ego, but at least, you know, the Guardians and T'Challa were home. Mm-hmm. Last week had the Avengers being assembled also, right? At the yes, end. Yes, a version of them. Yeah. Yep, yep. And this week had the literal end of a universe. <laughs> it starts with him developing a drinking problem and then ends with him just living in a pocket dimension by himself. And well, that's an interesting interpretation of the episode is, you know, mm-hmm. those addictive personalities too. Um, whether it's actual like addiction to a substance or just addicted to knowledge or addicted mm-hmm. to an idea, um, well, he, probably something we'll talk about tomorrow on our Shang-Chi episode. <laughs> there's a bit of Tony Stark in there where he feels like he can fix anything. Uh, and in this instance, it's very Tony Stark-ish in that he fucks things up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with obsession. Mm-hmm. Absolute obsession leading to you turning into a Beauty and the Beast Hellboy looking monster with your yeah. girlfriend dead anyway and the universe destroyed. Like, um, careful, you know, the deal you make with the devil kind of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. What uh, do you give the episode? Oh, I gave it a five out of six. Uh, in okay. Stones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about you? I like that kind of way that we were talking about it where it's like the 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 deal with the devil kind of morality play kind Mm -hmm. of at the end and and those episodes usually of anthology based television like um or kind of famously with like twilight zones or outer limits or something like that those kind of shows that have real bummer endings for these one shots that are just kind of going to exist um Mm -hmm. is just kind of great storytelling that just feels kind of done wrapped up and there's a point to it despite it being a complete bummer um i think this was the best written episode so far this season mm-hmm. and the best stylistically animation wise maybe not the best actual animation but stylistically it might be a little bit simpler in actual animation techniques and how fast it was but the imagery itself and like the the design work and everything in this episode was by far the best right very imaginative uh how it depicts things uh and how it moves too with the um the cell kind of based mm-hmm. animation it kind of being like this kind of like layered thing and you know him building these layers and inside of his skin the kind of body horror stuff with like tentacles going into his skin and him yeah. transforming into whatever you know th- you know his face silhouette transforming into whatever beast he has succumbed to or summoned at that point that shit was super cool so <laughs> i'm going to give it a five out of six too like right there with you mm-hmm. i kind of put it at par with last week's episode only because last week's episode with like the murder mystery and the spy stuff and the hydra stuff is like kind of up my alley as well i like it equally as the horror stuff (laughs) but i also like that marvel's doing like demonic imagery here because we heard all that talk about how they're straying from doing demonic imagery like strictly to appease china censorship boards right yeah well and the china censorship thing seems to be getting much worse in the near future Uh, yeah to the point that they're not showing Shang-Chi right now, the actual Chinese Marvel yeah. superhero. Well, 
the article I was reading earlier today talks about how they're wanting to do away with things that are too entertaining and effeminate idols and just uh it's not great uh tiger group on hong kong too so that film industry is going to have a hard time well the chinese government has hong kong right it for the first time like government wise and the government has gone a little stricter in hong kong too like more in line with mainland china over the past couple years right it's been a struggle yeah uh yeah you know who's a big fan of all of that happening, by the way, that I found out about last night. Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan. Oh, is that yes. who you were really going to say? That yeah, is really yeah. who I was going to say. Yeah, I was watching I, Police I Story Jackie 2 Chan last night. And Jackie Chan. Well, I love Jackie Chan movies, rather, but as a person, he's uh, not the greatest, unfortunately. Uh, he also has record-breaking charity work. He's the most charitable celebrity of all time. Oh, really? So, I didn't yes. know that. Yeah, so it's offset somewhat. Then it yeah. makes me feel a little bit better about continuing to enjoy his movies. Huh? In his culture, he calls it the yin and the yang, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yes, he's a womanizer, he, and he's very pro-communism, he, China. <laughs> very pro-communism, where he's quoted: "If people didn't have to think so much, things would probably be a lot easier," or something uh, along those lines. And it's it's like on his Wikipedia to that point. His son oh. also got arrested for smoking weed or caught smoking weed. Yeah, yeah. He kind of disowned him or something for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he was in Shanghai Shanghai Nights with uh, Mobius <laughs> e Mobius, right? Really playing both sides of the fence here, John, I feel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was in uh, the Rush Hour trilogy with my boy Chris Tucker. He also did think... all of his own stunts for a long period, so. Yeah. He Shattered also... some bones for sure. Eh directed starred and wrote and partially edited uh the first two police stories right oh uh, yeah uh and, and sang the soundtrack for is, yes yeah i always forget he sings too he's a uh, classically trained opera singer by the way mm-hmm. that's insane no yeah, he released albums and stuff uh it's mm-hmm. uh, sold it's not just like bruce willis releasing an album and no one buying it uh, Steven Seagal has a lot of blues albums on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> they're all very, very funny looking. And they're all like fart rock, swamp rock, fake. Oh, fucking, yeah. Uh, yeah, like um, almost like fake. Um, like Stevie Ray Vaughan or something like that. If that mm-hmm. makes any sense. It's very stupid. Bruce Willis, uh, Keanu Reeves, right? Mm-hmm. He's got his dogfish or something like that. What's the name of his band? Oh, I'm I'm not sure on that. Uh, I think. Sorry, I'm looking for the picture of Steven Seagal. I can uh, remember the name of their bands are uh, Ryan Gosling uh, because I like that band. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Yes, there's another one, and uh, Ezra Miller has one. Uh, Sons of an illustrious father. They have one song I like. Oh, yes, there's is, hmm? Are you looking at the Steven Seagal picture? I am. I am. It is. Uh, <laughs> who's that guy that used to uh, try to teach you guitar on the infomercials? It reminds me kind of. Um, oh, young. Esteban? Yes, yes, Esteban. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just without the hat. Yeah. I took lessons from Esteban's bass player. His name is Bikini Kamalo. <laughs> Shout out Bikini Kamalo, Port Jeff, mm-hmm. Long Island. Played bass on Paul Simon's Graceland. 
moved to Long Island and does infomercials with Esteban. He's a good guy. Taught me some slap bass back in the day. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Um, there's also Phantom Planet, which is the kid from Rushmore's band, right? I I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's a, a secret Coppola, too. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, Jason Schwartzman's a secret Coppola. He's like mm. cousins with Roman and uh, and yeah. um, Sophia. I uh, I wouldn't have guessed that. Uh, it's family business. Mm. It is. It is. <laughs> um, we're gonna skip over the news this week because mm. yeah, we wasn't enough really to make it. Yeah, there's not well. enough. And we'll mm-hmm. talk about it probably inevitably, hopefully, because it's mostly all rumors and everything. And Shang Chi which we found out is pronounced Shang-Chi, uh, <laughs> has come out. Hopefully our listeners have seen it as well. Because that means they'll listen to our episode <laughs> tomorrow on uh, Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings. Um, you could talk about Shang-Chi. What if anything Marvel-related at the MCU Beyond Infinity Facebook group, where you can also um, ask Travis or I if you want to talk spoilers for Shang-Chi. We have a private group going with a lot of members there, and it's it's been kind of fun to bounce some theory stuff off of the guys in there and the girls in there, Travis, because mm-hmm. it's made me kind of, because I've seen it a couple times now, and like kind of rethink all of the cool little Marvel uh, almost like Easter eggs and stuff throughout that movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like giving great context. So shout out to everybody involved in that right now. Uh, if you want to reach us, you can go to MCU beyond infinity podcast at gmail.com and stay tuned for tomorrow's <laughs> episode on Shang-Chi and the legends of the 10 rings. Until then I am John. I'm Travis. Shang-Chi.